My guest today is Asha Kharga, Chief Customer and Brand Officer and member of the Group Executive Board of the Mahindra Group. Asha leads the Group Corporate Brand, Group Corporate Communications and Mahindra Culture Festivals. Asha is also the chairperson of the Mahindra Group's Diversity Council and is a director on the board of Mahindra Holdings Private Limited and the publicly traded Mahindra Life Spaces developers. She joined the Mahindra Group from Access Bank, where she was Executive Vice President and Group Chief Marketing Officer for the bank and its subsidiaries. Before Access Bank, Asha was with Unilever for almost a decade in a variety of brand and marketing roles. And in her last role in Hindustan Unilever Limited, Asha was the Marketing Director of the Tea Business for South Asia. Asha has been recognized as one of India's top 20 most influential women in marketing and advertising by Business World and among the top 100 most influential marketing leaders in India in 2023. From selling women products to venturing into rugged industries like auto and farming, Asha's career trajectory is really fascinating. Without further ado, let's dive in and explore how Asha navigated a unique path. Hi, Asha. A very warm welcome to Atlanta Diaries. And thank you very much for taking out time to do this conversation. Hi, Asha. A very warm welcome to Atlanta Diaries. And thank you very much for taking out time. Thank you, Enma. What a lovely opportunity to speak with you. And it's great to have this conversation. I'd like to thank you for calling me in and asking me to be a part of it. Oh, absolutely. Even though I hear about it, so often from, you know, your colleague and my husband. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So um, love to start with how did your formative years influence your personal and professional journey? Yeah. So if I had to just look back in time, three or four things that really stand out for me when I was growing up. One is I grew up in a South Indian family. So I was always surrounded by books and was a very high emphasis on education. So therefore, when you have that kind of environment at home, it kind of builds in a certain discipline, which later in life translates into a work ethic, which is about just giving it your best, giving it your all. The second thing I would say is that it was a prudent household. So therefore, you learned value for money very early on. And I think that also kind of sets the context for a lot of organizations that I've joined. I mean, when I think about Levers or I think about the bank or you think about Mahindra, they're very cost conscious companies too. So while they think about growth, they are also very focused on cost. And lastly, I think though I grew up in a nuclear family, I was very well connected to cousins, aunts, uncles from both sides of the family. So therefore the value of relationships and therefore having a set of people who you're close to both the personal and professional front just comes from seeing that at home while growing up. You know, when I started Atlanta Diaries, I used to give this analogy to people. We all know what's on the tip of the iceberg, but we don't see what's the nine tenth. Mm. And today I can see that whole iceberg coming to life. It's a great segue into the conversation going forward. So what prompted or what were the triggers for the decisions that led to these three distinct career innings? So actually, Anma, I don't think I've consciously plotted my career. But as Steve Jobs says, life is all about joining the dots. And one of the things that I realized in life is that you have two choices. There is a choice between growth and comfort. And both of them cannot coexist. 
one has to be very clear about the choice one wants to make because with growth there will always be discomfort the second is once you make that choice you have to be very comfortable with the consequences of those choices so if you're feeling uncomfortable you have to accept that because you chose growth and if you're feeling stagnant or you feel too comfortable you chose comfort and i don't think i was really choosing growth over comfort if i have to look back but i think i was choosing learning for sure so the day i felt that i have stopped learning was my link to i've stopped growing so if you're not dealing with a new problem or you're not learning something new that's when you know it's time i think i'm very very grateful to the universe because you know it's not necessary that the opportunities open up for all so by the time i finished 10 years in levers i saw there was so much happening in banking especially on the digital front compared to a lot of consumer marketing companies and when i finished with financial services you know i was wondering what am i going to be learning next and then mnm happened and then i look at a very large diversified group of companies and i say okay this will open up another opportunity for growth and to learn something new but you have to be very very clear about the choice between comfort and growth so i think living with the consequences is also something that i learned from one of my mentors actually so there was a certain role that had come up and i said i don't think i should do this role or should i do this role so this particular boss of mine actually mentioned that whatever choice you make just be comfortable about the consequences of those choices so that's something that has stayed with me actually and also i think that applies to even life you know even your personal life yeah i want to backtrack a little bit coming from south india there is a certain perception that it will be either maths or sciences so how come marketing and how come advertising like what sort of inspired you to take on that as a profession you know my family is full of people who are bankers mm-hmm. and from my generation or if i look at my younger cousins a lot of them chose maths or science so in that sense what you would call conventional left brain kind of thinking right and i still remember when i first told my father about advertising i think he had this mental picture in his head which is basically advertising people just like to you know smoke or they like to basically have beer that's a stereotype which is associated with advertising people there used to be this famous lunch home in mumbai called mahesh lunch home and my father would usually go there for dinner because he was actually working at the life insurance corporation of india in lic and you know once he saw this big group of young people who walked in and this is i'm saying mid 90s okay i had not even finished my graduation and he just casually asked one of my uncles who was also a part of that group as to who's the set of people and he said oh this is the advertising crowd and that's the picture that stayed with my dad that this is advertising and so they were quite stunned because there was no one in advertising from my family but i think when you start talking about the kind of organizations you're working for and when you talk about a hindustan unilever for example obviously south indians understand that really well so they understand they understand a hindustan unilever and they understand the brands that are there with hindustan unilever so i said yeah this is the kind of experience i'm going to get and you know working with really professional people and that's not the only image of advertising and there is some serious strategic thinking that goes behind positioning brands communication understanding consumers 
and really joining the dots around all these aspects. And then, of course, I would share the work that, you know, we would be creating. And also because, you know, you have your mom at home, right? So, and a lot of legal products are targeted at women. So therefore, I would just show, for example, this is a new concept that we are coming up with. And, and I've always believed that if your mom understands the advertising you make, then the brand will be successful. I think moms, they really cut through clutter. They cut through all the jargon. So make advertising that your mom would love, that your mom would cherish. Was used to, And it all kind of turned out quite well. You brought back that memory of my dad and his <laughs> initial <laughs> view about advertising. Make mom your cheerleader. Then she'll convince everyone in the family, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely. From a female-centric brand to a rugged brand, right? Different kinds of people, different kinds of teams, different kinds of creative sensibilities, right? So how did you navigate those different stakeholders? Yeah, I think if you really focus on the consumer, it doesn't matter which industry you belong to. And I got some really good advice from Rajesh, who's heading the business. And he actually said that unlike conventional FMCG industries, which is all about B2C, Auto is largely B to B to C, and therefore talking to the front line is going to be very helpful. So I remember the first two weeks of joining, I really spoke to a lot of dealers, really. I spoke to a lot of salespeople. And the other thing which has drastically changed post-COVID is the emergence of social media. And therefore, the kind of comments, feedback, complaints you see on social media, which is nothing but the voice of the consumer also gives you a lot of insights. And the role is quite different at a corporate level. How are all these voices of different stakeholders, whether it's consumers, customers, dealers, and across businesses, affecting the trust and reputation as far as the brand is concerned? Because my role at a central level is to be the custodian of the brand and ensuring that the reputation of the brand is protected. You know, So to really be able to harness the voice and behind that, the moral truth, I think, again, comes back to understanding new listening tools that are there. So to be able to bring together all those voices and see how it's affecting reputation is very important. So whether it's FMCG or non-FMCG doesn't matter as long as your core principles are really strong. I could see a lot of uniqueness in your journey as a leader. You shared about how even working with Hindustan leavers and working with, you know, leaders who were younger than you, even in age group. So how did you grow as a leader and what are the different challenges experienced as a leader? Yeah, actually, that's a fantastic question. And I think one of the things that HUL in particular does very well is really harness leadership potential beyond competence. So it's not really about the job you know and the technical skills you have, but really your ability to lead teams, your ability to problem solve. And that combination is really important because I think essentially leaders solve problems and they also kind of get the best out of people. And therefore, you need to have a certain EQ around you, which is very important. And for me, from an advertising background to transition into that was very different because levers are scale. Advertising agencies are relatively smaller. So one of the things that I found very effective was the 360-degree feedback that you would get. And incidentally, that was also there in PNG. So the marketing director would also get appraised by me. So PNG would reach out to the advertising agency 
you know, head of the business to kind of opine on the marketing manager. So just imagine that's quite amazing, right? Because otherwise you may not treat them like partners. That I think was a great way because when you are giving an opinion about somebody, you also realize the responsibility and the 360 degree feedback at levers is really important. So, and you have to run the choices by your line manager. So you have to pick up people whom you're either in a reporting relationship or cross-functional teams, maybe a finance head or a supply chain partner whom you're working with or an R&D partner whom you're working with. So it therefore gives you a very holistic view. And I think what it does is it creates amazing self-awareness about your strengths and weaknesses. And then in my appraisals, my boss would actually ask me, can you give me some feedback about myself? And here Anish does it. When you're actually doing your appraisal with him, he'll send you two, three questions. And the third question is usually about, do you have any feedback for me as a leader? And I think that's an amazing point because it just shows the kind of security you have as a leader. You have an opportunity to speak up and somebody who's at such a senior level in the organization is open to feedback. And I would say leadership is not so much about control, but a lot about context. And this I have learned in Mahindra because I'm actually responsible for a very diverse set of roles. There's corporate communications, there's corporate brand, but there's also customer data and customer analytics. And when you talk about technology and people who have spent their lives creating product platforms, you're working with people who have actually been there and done that. So there, you can't come in from a position of control. I'm the boss and therefore you better do the line. And I don't think a lot of people really appreciate that kind of hierarchy. Uh, even when I was, for example, looking after Mahindra Racing, I didn't know anything about racing. I've never done an automotive role in my life. And suddenly you're in the midst of race car enthusiasts. They're a cult. So you can't come in saying that, you know, I'm going to run out and you are thinking about how you're going to win a race. You have to find a way to work with them, to support them. There are 50 people who are sitting in the UK, belonging to different nationalities. They're not really looking up to corporate as, oh, now you are mana from heaven or something like that. No, nothing of that sort. So really, how you work with them and what you learn from them becomes important. So I think leading through context and not through control is another learning that I've tried to consciously imbibe. And then you make mistakes along the way. You know, of course, I mean, it's not going to be perfect. And I think it's important to create a culture where people can openly tell you. So for example, the last time I was talking to my social media lead and she said that it's not necessary that, you know, the way you've conventionally built brands on traditional media platforms is the way to build it on digital platforms. And I felt good that she was able to exactly tell me what she felt. And at the same time, she was telling me that you need to learn a little bit more about what's happening in the new world. So that's really the essence of it. Sure. You know, I love Brené Brown, who speaks a lot about vulnerability. So what's your perspective on that? And how do you see yourself as a leader with regard to vulnerability? I think she introduced a really fantastic concept. And I think it comes quite naturally to women. I think women do not shy away from bringing their full selves to work. So I remember when I was in Axis Bank and my son was in grade 10 at that time. And I remember going to Shikha and telling her that I've spent all my life basically being out and I've traveled during his exams. But I feel at this point, 
I just need to be with him. And it's not so much about him. I need to do this for myself. And she completely understood it. But you know, one of the best pieces of advice she gave me was that always believe that the values you have given your child will see you through. And at that time, I didn't understand it. But now my son has moved away from home and I do understand what those values are. And, you know, the values really hold you through in life. And she said not to worry too much. And I thought it was one of the best pieces of advice she gave me. But more importantly, I think the fact that I went and spoke to her and expressed my vulnerability as a mom and the need to be home helped a lot in getting that flexibility. And of course, I was directly reporting to Rajiv, the Deputy Managing Director of Access Today. And his first reaction was, listen, you're going to chew your son's brains. You know, this is, <laughs> are you sure you want to do this? See, again, the difference between a female and a male. And I said, you know, Rajiv, I really need to do this. And then he was very, he said, that's fine. You know, do what makes you feel comfortable. And then I went and spoke to my team and I called all my 40 team members into the room. And I said, I am going to be working flexibly for the next two to three months. And I need your help because I will not be able to do this without your support. And they were more than happy to collaborate because I think genuinely people want to help. I think intrinsically human beings are geared for helping somebody out. And what we did was we used to meet at branches, which were very close to my home. We used to request the branch manager to give us a meeting room or something of that sort. And for those two, three months, they really supported me through it. And it was fantastic. And now when I tell them about it, they said, but you know, Asha, we felt that you were always working even during that time. We never felt that you went off. And I think that's the beauty of it. When organizations actually support you, you actually go out of your way to support the organization. It improves employee loyalty. I think employees give a part of themselves beyond what is normally given. So vulnerability works both for the employee as well as for the organization. And this was an experience that I felt I should share with you. Absolutely. And now if I had to talk about Mahindra, where you're fairly recent and it's a more male-dominated industry, any anecdotes on how you've been able to bring in vulnerability, especially given that you're sort of overseeing so many different functions? I think one of the things about Mahindra is most of the leaders have been here for a very long time, for 25, 30 years, so spent a lifetime at Mahindra, right? And I joined during the lockdown in March. So for the first nine months, I didn't see anyone. So I had no social capital at all. But I think if you, again, show a learner's mindset, you know, and you ask questions and you do not have any assumptions about what you're going to do, and I had to ask because I wasn't familiar with the category. And I reached out to people and asked them about the businesses they handle, the challenges they face, the support they require. And I think that's something that came naturally to me, maybe because of my advertising background. Because again, you're supporting businesses and clients and you're, you're really looking for what are the problems that businesses have and where do they need support? You know, absolutely. Because yeah. they're really large businesses. These leaders are spread so thin. They have so many challenges. So if you can be helpful in some way, I think it's much easier versus coming from a place of, hey, I'm this brand marketer and I know everything, you know, so that doesn't work. <laughs> I've reached out for any help. Again, I come back to needing support during crucial times. Now I'm at a stage where you're dealing with elderly parents. 
And I had to take time off because my in-laws were unwell. And to then say that, look, I need to be away and I need to be taking care of a parent. And they would just understand. And in fact, sometimes I've had conversations with people and I'm talking about these senior leaders who have spoken about their parents and the challenges they have gone through. And I think when you talk about shared struggles, whether it's parenting or whether it's looking after a parent, I mean, these things are universal. I think we need to break these barriers beyond designations, titles, because ultimately we all have roles to play. We are a spouse, we are a partner, we are a parent, we are children ourselves. And therefore, when you start thinking of yourself in those aspects, there is a lot of commonality. And it doesn't matter what's your background and what business have you handled in the past. So I find some of these things really helpful in in creating and cementing relationships. So Asha, shifting gears a little bit, and since you said that you're holding many other portfolios at Mahindra, share an initiative you're very passionate about and relevant to today's scenario and today's environment. So Enma, one of the things that I'm actually quite passionate about is my role as the chairperson for the Group Diversity Council. Mm -hmm. And I remember when this role was first offered to me in my limited understanding, I actually asked Anish that, you know, isn't this an HR role? And he said, it's a transformation role and one has to really bring about change to make this a more inclusive organization. So the first time in the history of the Mahindra Group, we have the Pride community, which has got created. And we first started by calling 10 to 12 people who have actually identified themselves from being a part of the community. And I called a couple of senior leaders from the organizations to listen to these stories. And actually, Enma, I must say at this point in time that I hadn't actually been very close to the community. And when I heard their stories, I just realized that there is so much we don't know. And we have again painted them with stereotypes. So many of them, you know, realize their gender or their sexuality, their identity and their orientation, as we understand, when they were children. And they must have been around 12 to 14 years old. And the confusion that arises within them because of not being able to fit to a certain stereotype that we have in society can be very befuddling for young children. So they were isolated. So just imagine being isolated at that age. Imagine not fitting in. Imagine being bullied. So they all spoke about these aspects. The second thing that, you know, when they didn't find the support from their parents, it became even tougher. But the ones who found the support, they bloomed at a different level. And the only thing they were looking for is actually equal opportunity. They did not want sympathy. In fact, you know, they coiled any time you spoke to them in that way, in a very patronizing way. They were well-educated. They were well-trained. Again, there is a stereotype that people from this community will be effeminate, they'll be highly creative. I met people who were process engineers, who were into quality control, who were looking at, you know, completely left brain activities. And they were just looking for great opportunities and being treated in an equal way. So we tagged them, you know, as members of the pride community. But actually, I hope at some point in time, you don't have to tag them. Yeah, It has to be normalized. But they're looking for representation at this point in time. And Today, we have close to 135 people who have come forward. We started with 12. In a mat, we have done nothing except put a post on LinkedIn saying that here are the people who have come out. And now this has become like ERG across the group, the Employee Resource Group, 
across the group who's actually thinking about what do we do next and how do we get more people. And I feel really great because of real change on ground. The second one that I want to share, Enma, is really about the maternity policy we've launched internally. So conventionally, maternity policy has been looked at as that three months or six months of leave. But what we have said is that maternity is actually an end-to-end journey. It actually starts from the time you decide you want to be pregnant to, you know, maybe needing even support during pregnancy, to during getting pregnant. I'm talking about IVF fever. Then you have the actual maternity, the phase of the baby's birth, and you have post-maternity, which is again very difficult because for the first two to three years, your career is on high peak and then you have a baby. And how do you actually provide flexibility to the mother who's wanting to come back? So the kind of initiatives and the interventions that we are taking in this five-year period is quite special. For example, we are looking at providing IVF support and therefore taking care of expenses for up to two children and capped at a certain level, of course. We are actually providing, you know, travel support in case you unfortunately go through a termination of pregnancy, you'll be allowed 45 days of leave. And most important that I feel really happy about is there is six months of mat leave, six months of working from hybrid location and another 24 months of working in a flexible sort of way, in a manner that works with your line manager. So I think it's quite a remarkable shift in that direction by giving women the opportunity to work flexibly with the caveat that the woman is responsible for her career. We are also providing what you call complete mental health and well-being support. So it's a very comprehensive maternity policy. And again, that's something that we have worked with a bunch of colleagues and senior leaders who took the initiative because, again, this has to be supported by business, right? So so I, I think these are two things that are quite fundamentally different and I feel very happy that we've been able to land them. And I'm hoping that this will help us retain women and give them great career opportunities at Mahindra. So you're enabling it for them rather than deterring them. So that's really powerful. Yeah. You spoke about mentors in your journey. So talk to us about your mentorship journey at the receiving end or at the giving end. So I have been very fortunate and very blessed to have a tribe of mentors because it's quite difficult for one person to be your mentor because, you know, most of them have a lot of demands on their time. So it's important to have a tribe of mentors and they actually give you different kinds of insights because they have different journeys. They are different personalities. I still remember at Unilever, you know, I was doing a variety of marketing roles on classic brands, consumer facing brands. And there was one point in my life where I had to move into a central role, which reported to the CEO of the company. But the main thing was about the launch of the Unilever sustainability program. And all my friends and well-wishers, actually my peers, told me it's a very bad idea. Who knows sustainability? What is sustainability? And um, one of my mentors actually told me that, you know, Asha, a career is 40 years. In that 40 years, if you decide to do two or three years, which is off the beaten path, it can only add to you. Okay. The second thing he said, you're reporting to the CEO of a company called Hindustan Unilever. Just imagine the soft skills you're going to be learning around leadership and how decisions are taken. So he said every role is not about just technical competence. Some roles are about soft skills, about larger initiatives that organizations like these run, and you will only gain from it. 
and he was the only one who gave me a different perspective and i didn't took up the role and i must say there's a life before that role and there's a life after that role because i learned so much including aspects around organizational awareness so suddenly i just understood a perspective around multiple facets of an organization therefore that was really very timely advice i must have been around 38 or so at that time and many of my friends actually told me that you will not get a marketing director role after this in fact i became the marketing director for the south asia business for t and it just worked out quite well and then working with a diverse set of people so i have somebody who's completely into marketing technology and understands platforms and data fully left brain i have also a brand person who's also right brain there is a person in my team who heads the culture events in mahindra the mahindra blues mahindra kabira and all our festivals so actually i learned from them equally there are people with 20 25 years of experience so any relationship with that there is give and take where each of us learns from each other can only you know create a force multiplier for the entire team so i think that's what makes it interesting to be in any notable mistakes or significance and backs in your journey and lessons learned from them oh yes i mean there's so many but the one which stands out the most for me is you know when i was in advertising it was a personal care product that we believed would really you know open the category and drive trials in a big way i think nmis must have spent a whole year just writing various types of product concepts and advertising concepts and all of that and again as i say these are the things that happen in the kitchen but what you serve to the consumer at a product level it was great but i think the advertising that turned out was not so good and it was my first project and this is unilever and this was a client i really respected even the category head who was heading it was one of the most prominent ceos in the country today but he was my client and the final outcome irrespective of all the work that you do finally what the consumer sees is that piece of communication that was just suboptimal and i thought that you know this is over but you know very shortly i joined levers and he was there and then i was like okay now this is this is now going to be the end of my career but the project i worked on and the product we created and the communication we created and we launched a new product in hul and i think he was really happy with the mix and ultimately it went off well but at that moment when i realized i'll be working with him and you know this is memory of me this really bad piece of communication that was created but i think people do give opportunities i think you know you learn from those mistakes and i think it's very good when it happens on your first i think sometimes you know when, when you're extremely successful on your first project then go to your head i think i just got grounded totally and you just realize that sometimes putting your best efforts but sometimes things don't go as well i continue to learn along the way i've learned don't strive too hard for perfection and that's something that sometimes becomes a bit of a challenge because you just want to get everything perfect and sometimes what you're spending your time and energy on may not even be noticeable to consumers and this was again some feedback that a peer gave he actually said i think you really overpolish things what you are looking for is something that's not noticeable and he said you're possibly very hard on yourself and again that was well meaning feedback coming from a dear friend and who was also my colleague because otherwise you end up end up stressing the team too and i think possibly it's because of the nature of the role a lot of women come forward and getting recruited and i think that's great because you know our lunch table conversations especially with men sometimes you end up just talking shop 
because there are women, I mean, there were two of them who were actually advising one of my colleagues who's just had a baby on how to burp the baby so that she doesn't have colic. And this was a well-meaning father taking advice. I cannot imagine that conversation otherwise because men otherwise tend to talk only about work. But women bring their full selves. And because they create that kind of an environment, men bring their full selves. So diversity really helps in, you know, creating a culture which is just warm and real like your home. And I think that's how it should be. I love that. That's beautiful. That's a great way to end this. And since Atlanta Diaries is a place where aspiring women leaders unlearn and learn their definitions of success, what are your parting thoughts as they transition into larger roles? So for me, there are actually three thoughts I'd like to leave you with. One, it's about a career is a marathon and it's not a sprint. So one will have to be gritty and resilient. So I place a high emphasis on that, especially in large organizations where you're dealing with multiple stakeholders. You should be able to take setbacks and chin up. Be a lifelong learner is another key element that has worked for me. Always be curious, always ask questions. And the third is actually to be a team player, always. Be willing to work with people, put the organization and the team ahead of self. This is something that is very difficult to do. And I've really learned it the hard way, but it's very important to be able to support and work with people, especially in large organizations, because you can't be a prima donna in a large organization. This has been lovely, Asha. Thank you very much for taking out time and sharing your journey. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of women leaders as they transition. Thanks, Emma. And what a pleasure talking to you. I felt you're a great conversationalist. I think your questions are amazing. I think in the way you were asking, some of the things that I hadn't even thought of, they just came from the recesses of my childhood memory. For example, my dad had advertising. (laughs) (laughs) But it just came and, and I must give you all the credit. Thank you for being a part of this incredible journey with Atlanta Diaries. I have had the privilege of hosting guests who courageously shared their most vulnerable selves with me. And even if only a small segment of these conversations can champion the journey of one person, it will be worth each and every moment. And together, we know we can create an even greater impact. So I do have a humble request for you. If you found value in these episodes, please consider sharing the podcast with your friends, family, and on your social media. I would also love to hear your thoughts and will really appreciate if you could take a moment to leave a review or rating. See you next week for another inspiring journey on Atlanta Diaries.